Section 11 of The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Childs. The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. Part 1, Book 2, Chapter 1 Superhuman Laws. The snowstorm is one of the mysteries of the ocean. It is the most obscure of things meteorological, obscure in every sense of the word. It is a mixture of fog and storm, and even in our days we cannot well account for the phenomenon, hence many disasters. We try to explain all things by the action of wind and wave, yet in the air there is a force which is not the wind, and in the waters a force which is not the wave. That force both in the air and in the water, is effluvium. Air and water are two nearly identical liquid masses, entering into the composition of each other by condensation and dilatation, so that to breathe is to drink. Effluvium alone is fluid. The wind and the wave are only impulses. Effluvium is a current. The wind is visible in clouds. The wave is visible in foam. Effluvium is invisible. From time to time, however, it says, I am here. It's, I am here, is a clap of thunder. The snowstorm offers a problem analogous to the dry fog. If the solution of the Kalina of the Spaniards and the Quabar of the Ethiopians be possible, assuredly the solution will be achieved by attentive observation of magnetic effluvium. Without effluvium, a crowd of circumstances would remain enigmatic. Strictly speaking, the changes in the velocity of the wind, varying from 3 feet per second to 220 feet, would supply a reason for the variations of the waves rising from 3 inches in a calm sea to 36 feet in a raging one. Strictly speaking, the horizontal direction of the winds, even in a squall, enables us to understand how it is that a wave 30 feet high can be 1,500 feet long. But why are the waves of the Pacific four times higher near America than near Asia? That is to say, higher in the east than in the west. Why is the contrary true of the Atlantic? Why under the equator are they higher in the middle of the sea? Wherefore these deviations in the swell of the ocean? This is what magnetic effluvium combined with terrestrial rotation and sidereal attraction can alone explain. Is not this mysterious complication needed to explain an oscillation of the wind veering, for instance, by the west from southeast to northeast, then suddenly returning in the same great curve from northeast to southeast, so as to make in 36 hours a prodigious circuit of 560 degrees? Such was the preface to the snowstorm of March 17, 1867. The storm waves of Australia reach a height of 80 feet. This fact is connected with the vicinity of the pole. Storms in those latitudes result less from disorder of the winds than from submarine electrical discharges. In the year 1866, the transatlantic cable was disturbed at regular intervals and its working for two hours in the 24 from noon to 2 o'clock by a sort of intermittent fever. Certain compositions and decompositions of forces produce phenomena and impose themselves on the calculations of the seamen under pain of shipwreck. The day that navigation, now a routine, shall become a mathematic. The day we shall, for instance, 
seek to know why it is that in our regions hot winds come sometimes from the north and cold winds from the south the day we shall understand that diminutions of temperature are proportionate to oceanic depths the day we realize that the globe is a vast lodestone polarized in immensity with two axes an axis of rotation and an axis of effluvium intersecting each other at the centre of the earth and that the magnetic poles turn round the geographical poles when those who risk life will choose to risk it scientifically when men shall navigate assured from studied uncertainty when the captain shall be a meteorologist when the pilot shall be a chemist then will many catastrophes be avoided the sea is magnetic as much as aquatic an ocean of unknown forces floats in the ocean of the waves or one might say on the surface only to behold in the sea a mass of water is not to see it at all the sea is an ebb and flow of fluid as much as flux and reflux of liquid it is perhaps complicated by attractions even more than by hurricanes molecular adhesion manifested among other phenomena by capillary attraction although microscopic effluvium sometimes aids sometimes counteracts the wave of the air and the wave of the waters he who is ignorant of electric law is ignorant of hydraulic law for the one intermixes with the other it is true there is no study more difficult nor more obscure it verges on empiricism just as astronomy verges on astrology and yet without this study there is no navigation having said this much we will pass on one of the most dangerous components of the sea is the snowstorm the snowstorm is above all things magnetic the pole produces it as it produces the aurela borealis it is in the fog of the one as in the light of the other and in the flake of the snow as in the streak of flame effluvium is visible storms are the nervous attacks and delirious frenzies of the sea the sea has its ailments tempests may be compared to maladies some are mortal others not some may be escaped others not the snowstorm is supposed to be generally mortal jerobea one of the pilots of magellan termed it a cloud issuing from the devil's sore side the old spanish navigators called this kind of squaw la nevada when it came with snow la helda when it came with hail according to them bats fell from the sky with the snow snowstorms are characteristics of polar latitudes nevertheless at times they glide one might almost say tumble into our climates so much ruin is mingled with the chances of the air the matutina as we have seen plunge resolutely into the great hazard of the night a hazard increased by the impending storm she had encountered its menace with a sort of tragic audacity nevertheless it must be remembered that she had received due warning end of section 11 recording by anna childs